The wand is a powerful tool for communicating direction, intention, and action, both in our circles and in our daily life. But how might you use your finger as a powerful wand, and why do we even need a physical wand in our ritual space? On this episode, how to direct your will in circle and in your mundane life with part two of The Wand. my youth, on one outing to a particularly crowded grocery store, my mother mumbled that she was having a hard time finding a specific can of soup, to which I sharply replied, it's over there by that lady, pointing to the woman, who was close enough to hear us talking, but far enough away to not understand what we said. But what she did quickly notice was that I was pointing at her. She immediately knew she was part of our conversation, and at that point, my mother pushed down my finger like I was waving a gun and told me never to point in public because it was rude. We've been taught to hamper the use of our natural wand, but in this episode, I'm going to ask you to go against that social norm and begin using your wand with great intention and purpose. But to begin, it's hard to describe the use of a wand in a magic circle other than to say it is very akin to being the conductor of an orchestra. The conductor uses many aspects of his or her body to communicate to the musicians how the music should sound and what rhythm is desired. It is a communication of movement, of emotion, and of heart, as though each stroke of the baton is the pumping of blood out to each musician and matching that pulse in their own heart. In the same form, you are the conductor both of your magical mind and anyone else in your circle. Your wand is a means of directing the imagination of those around you. How you use your wand sets the tone of your rituals. When you cast your circle, you can project sharp force and intention with swift swipes and abrupt halts to indicate the seriousness of your ritual. Or maybe you can skip around the edge of your circular space, allowing the tip of your wand to bob whimsically along the defining edge, communicating a playful, friendly, and warm ritual space. The kind of witch or wizard you will become will dictate the style you have with your wand and ultimately how you conduct your rituals. For years, I used my finger to cast circles, and really, to perform every action that a wand might be used for. And it is powerful in its use as a wand because you can use it at any time in your magical space or in your mundane life. It is an incredibly powerful tool that captivates the attention of whomever might be downrange of your finger-directed gaze. It's flexible in its communication. For example, with a solid stare and an outstretched finger, you can hook someone's attention as if it were a fishing rod, and turning your fleshy wand and flexing it, making the come-hither motion, with your wand you have expressed, you, come here, without saying a word. You can use it to express a desire for something, such as a child pointing to a box of cereal. You can use it to direct credit, such as accompanied with praise or even blame. And you can use it to direct someone's attention, such as pointing to a location on a map or a constellation in the sky. So it's important to practice this, as it can be a very powerful tool in your mundane life. But then, what good is a physical wand if I can just use my finger? Because our magical mind will assign very specific attention to the use of a physical wand, it will be a tool reserved for magical intentions in that time. It will gain its own credibility as a ritual tool, whereas our finger is used for many things more than just a wand. If your hand is the Swiss Army knife of wands, then your ritual wand will be the chef's kitchen knife of your ritual space. 
Having a physical wand makes your actions more pronounced. What would otherwise be a slight movement of the wrist becomes a more dramatic action that is easier for everyone to see. The action itself is amplified by the extension of your body. If your wrist is the vocal cords of your finger, the wand is like the megaphone to that voice. And lastly, it will, in time, contain a deeper meaning to your magical mind. You will form a relationship with it, and it will have its own personality and history of experiences that you both share. While you may use the fingers on your hand for any number of activities, your magical mind will associate the use of the wand to a very specific purpose, and as you build that relationship, your magical mind will more quickly jump to your mystic state when you put it in your hand. For the first ritual, we're going to designate a space that is completely your own and separate from the outside world. We're gonna cast a simple circle. And even using the word cast is indicative that you are directing outward. Much like when fishing, you cast the lure outward from the tip of your pole, you're going to cast outward an imaginary boundary from the tip of your wand. So, find that quiet space and seclude yourself. Stand inside your space and point your wand to a place in the air a few feet away and envision the tip of your wand adding a dab of white glowing paint in the air. Slowly turn clockwise and tap into the imagination you once had as a child and try to visualize a streak of that glowing white paint drawn across an invisible canvas. Don't worry if you don't actually see it. This is your imagination, not a hallucination. Your magical mind will play along and believe it is there even if you can't see it. When you've turned fully around and reached the place you started, see and feel your circle around you. If it needs more charge, a more vivid feeling and imagery, do it again. Feel free to play with this mental paint a bit, making waves or making it as straight and level as you possibly can. How you paint your circle around you may create a slightly different feeling about the space. When you feel you've cast your circle, have a seat and get a feel for the new space you've created. Feel that difference between inside the circle and outside the circle, that your world and your universe is within and that everything else outside drops away. This is how you designate your safe space and a space that you can more readily control and work within. When you're finished, stand up, and with your wand extended outward, turn counterclockwise, pulling that paint back into your brush until the paint hanging in the air is all gone. Leaving the circle without closing the circle is a bit like watching a movie and leaving five minutes before the end. We do this to add a sense of closure. It allows our magical mind to clearly understand when we are in our ritual space versus when we are not. A strong ritual is like a good story. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You can use the next ritual to get accustomed to using a wand. As for some, it might feel a little silly at first. I think of this as akin to dancing. At first it feels silly, and you might be embarrassed to dance in front of others. But when you get into your groove and get comfortable with the actions, you won't care what others think. You will simply connect to the music and find the natural high of moving in time with the tune. So, find a space where you can crank up a familiar tune. What is most important in your selection of song is that it should be something that you can ebb and flow with. The more emotional, the better. When the song begins, lift your wand and begin to swish and flick to your tune, allowing it to move you. Again, 
This is a bit like dancing, so feel free to be as expressive as you need to be. While you're not literally directing the song, what's important here is to receive the feel of the music. Get in sync with it and feel its movement. Remember, your wand is primarily a communication tool, and for this practice, you'll be doing an important part of communication, listening. And the directing of your wand will be your talking back to the music. The last ritual is a more practical practice. When you're at work, or even at home, carry a pencil or pen with you. When you find that you're going to talk at length, pull out your writing implement and use it to accentuate your talking. If you're talking to someone specific, subtly point at them for a moment, like you're dabbing a dot of ink midair in front of them as a nod to their presence. Use your pen or pencil to illustrate in the air your ideas. This is great for illustrating a communication technique called wireframing and it is surprising how people will be able to clearly imagine what you're drawing in the air. If you're at a dry erase board or chalkboard, use that marker as part of your motions and communication, along with the illustrations you put on the board. Your meetings and interactions will be more memorable, more dramatic, and will have communicated more than just tucking your hands in your pocket. Now, go out and practice your newly found wand skills. Until our next episode, thanks for listening.